Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikbat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvatisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Once there was a king who made a decree, saying, Romans shall not go down to Syria, and Syrians shall not go up to Rome. Likewise, when the Holy One created the universe, He decreed, saying, The heavens belong to Hashem, and the earth He gave to humankind. But when he sought to give the Torah, he nullified this original decree. He said, the lower realms shall go up to the higher, and the higher realms shall descend to the lower. I am the one who initiated this. As it is written, and Hashem descended upon Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. And it is written, and to Moshe he said, go up to Hashem in Exodus 24. Behold, that is why it is written, All which Hashem desired in the heavens and upon the earth, He has done. Psalms 135. This story comes to us from Midrash Rabbah Shemot and gives us the idea of the realm of God in heaven colliding with the realm of earth or humanity. And so Hashem is bringing down His realm to collide with the realm of earth in this Uh, in this narrative. And Moshe, his servant, brings up the realm of earth toward heaven so they are again in one place. As they were where? Where were they in one place? Right, in the Garden of Eden. This is one of the narrative goals of Scripture, to bring these two realms together. And it is the primary goal of the kingdom of Messiah, of which we are all a part. He said to pray on earth as it is in heaven, right? But there's a problem with the realm of the earth. Quick look around, and that will tell you what? We're not in Eden anymore, Toto, right? Our world is not yet heavenly, so we see that this is a process. Now, the realm of the holy, where God resides, is our home, right? Kansas was Dorothy's home. She noticed she wasn't home anymore, right? And although we were exiled from our home in Eden, this realm is inaugurated back on earth in different ways, right? With, for example, the tabernacle, or which is described in, in this week's Parsha, right? In the, in the normal Parsha we're reading through in Exodus about the building of the tabernacle, That shows us that the kingdom of God is breaking through. The presence of God is breaking through onto the earth. Amen? All right. So this realm of heaven established on earth is the holiest place, right? This is where God's throne is over the ark, where he resides by his presence. But there is another realm. That's the realm of the unholy, let's say. In Scripture, this is described as outside of the presence of God. So there's a couple um, uh, uh, figures of speech that are used to describe this. 
outside the camp. Have you ever heard that? Right? Or the, uh, or the area of the nations in, in ancient times, this would be filled with idolatry. Or the wilderness or desert is outside of the holy realm, right? And uh, in the New Covenant Scriptures, the unholy realm is often called this world, right? Does that strike you as familiar? Right? In this world, you will have many troubles, but take heart, I have overcome this world, right? So he, Yeshua is over these kind of unholy realms, but it still exists. One of the main ideas in our special reading for this week, which is called what? Shabbat Parah, right? Shabbat Parah. It's how to prepare for the realm of holiness. In other words, if you're going to be in a holy realm, you have to be in a clean or pure state. This is kind of like if I've been, you know, outside schwitzing and exerting myself, maybe I'm power walking around the neighborhood, right? It could happen, right? Don't laugh. Eric's laughing already. All right, anyway, so, and then I'm, I'm, I'm exercising, and I come in, and I want to hug my wife, and she's going to cry out what? Unclean! Unclean! Be thou cleansed and purged by the water of the shower. Or at least that's how I imagine she would say it. We understand, especially in this season, how uncleanness and disease can be spread, right? Unholiness, uncleanness spreading is kind of the way of this world. It's the way of the wilderness. But as we will see, the kingdom of God reverses this trend. It's kind of amazing. In the Levitical narrative, the book of Leviticus, that which is unclean is related to death or the exiting of the life force such as contacting a dead body or the loss of blood. And the prophets expound upon this idea later on, as we will see. Uncleanness means death in terms of moral defilement, right? Idolatry, injustice, and immorality. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, makes this same connection between sin and death in the apostolic writings. On the flip side, that which is clean in Leviticus is associated with what? With life, exactly. And in the prophets, this means the fullness of life or right living, following Torah, worshiping God alone, restorative justice for the poor and marginalized. That which is clean can be in a realm that is what? Holy. That which is unclean cannot be in a holy realm. For example, a priest cannot contact a dead body and then enter into the tabernacle. That's the reason for the red heifer uh, that we're reading today. Likewise, injustice and idolatry cannot be in the land of Israel. Because why? The entire region of Canaan is supposed to be a holy realm. The kingdom of priests, Israel, cannot be immoral because the peoplehood of Israel is supposed to be a holy realm. The realm of holiness is set apart with pureness and brightness and light. It's unique in its radiance. If the people of Israel, who are supposed to be holy in their love and justice and worship of God alone, what happens if they pollute the land long enough with injustice and hatred? and worshiping other gods. What happens then? 
Exile, exactly. Why is that? Well, it's a pattern. Adam and Eve were exiled from the presence of God in the garden. That's the realm of God's presence. And so are we. We are also kind of in a state of exile. We're separated from the presence of God by this unholy world and by our unholy acts. So what's the solution? Thankfully, Hashem provides a solution. He brings the holy realm to us. In Leviticus 25, 23, Hashem declares, the land is mine. You are nothing but strangers and residents within it. This is talking about the land of Israel. But David, I hear you protesting. I thought the land was a promise connecting, connected to the covenant with Abraham. You know, God will bless our descendants and bring us into the land so that all the nations will be blessed through Abraham's descendants. So isn't the land ours? Well, the promise has a purpose, mediating blessing through Israel. This is the ultimate purpose of Hashem for the people and the holy land. But history contains examples of the land vomiting the people out due to what? Idol worship and gross immorality and mistreatment of the poor. This should not surprise us. An unclean people who defile the land cannot abide in that land because it is kadosh, it is holy. Because of the mercy of Hashem, exile always gives way to what? Return. Almost every movie you see is about what? Going back home. It's the the exile and the return. The land is God's, and he has given it to Israel to garden, to shepherd, to enact restoration, and to worship him alone. And even when we mess it up, and even when we're cast out of the garden, the holy realm, guess what? He either brings us back, or sometimes he brings the garden back to us. It's amazing. Now, let's talk a little bit about the idea of holiness. Holiness is like the sun in our solar system which is unique among the planets and moons, and it's so powerful and pure that if you get too close, it could be, what, dangerous, right? This is why we don't have field trips to the sun. Makes sense. The sun is too holy for that. Nevertheless, our sun is good, right? It gives light and life to all living things on the earth, and the holy realm, the holiness of of God, is like this. It's not just set apart, but also it has a wholeness to it. It has a uniqueness, has a radiance, right? After all, when we, re- when we recite the, the Kedusha, when we, which we did this morning, along with the army of heaven, we know in our hearts we're not just saying, set apart, set apart, set apart, to translate Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. It's more than that, right? It's the holy realm is full of his goodness and presence, And so we have to be in a pure state to be in the holy realm. So what is supposed to be holy or clean or pure? The tabernacle, right? The temple, the people of Israel, the whole land of Israel is supposed to be holy. And that holiness is supposed to actually radiate outward by the power of God. Our sanctuary, our synagogue, Building is supposed to be what? This is a sanctuary. It's in the word, santo, right? It's holy space. 
as I was writing this part of the sermon in my office over there, I uh, heard someone use the key and enter this door. And I was curious who it was. Guess who it was? It was our friendly neighborhood elder, Mr. Eric. And what was he doing? He was coming here early before Shabbat to cleanse. He had his little wipes and he was cleansing all the the doorknobs and frequently touched spaces so that we would have a clean and holy space. So, Baruch Hashem. Yeah. We thank God for you, Eric. <laughs> Hope I'm not embarrassing you. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what it is. We also, as followers of Yeshua, both Israel and those that are grafted into Israel, we are to be holy as well by our clean and righteous actions. This is how 1 Peter 1 puts it. Let's see if we have it. So brace your minds for action. Keep your balance. Set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah. Like obedient children, do not be shaped by the cravings you had formerly in your ignorance. Instead, just like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves and in everything you do. For it is written, Kadoshim shall you be, for I am Kadosh. Be holy, for I am holy. If you call on him as Father, the one who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, then live out the time of sojourning in reverent fear or reverent respect. You know that you were redeemed from the futile way of life, handed down from your ancestors, not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, but with precious blood like that of a lamb without defect or spot, the blood of Messiah. He was chosen before the foundation of the world was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your trust and hope are in God. Now that you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth, leading to sincere brotherly love, love one another fervently from a pure heart. You have been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Right? You notice the the language that Peter is using here. It's language of purification, right? In order to do what? To show the love of God. So this narrative, it goes right through Leviticus on up to the New Covenant. This week's special Parsha for Shabbat Parah is about the infamous red heifer or red cow. It is red this week because there is a purification that takes place before Passover, which we are looking forward to. In particular, the red heifer purifies from contact with death. Imagine this. The priest was to get a red cow without blemish and slaughter it, but where? Outside the camp, interestingly. Outside of the holy realm. The priest was to wash himself in the water sprinkled with the ashes of this red cow. So here you kind of have a, a mixture of death and life. But there's a clear distinction in the scripture. So what's going on? Well, let's pick up our special reading in Numbers 19, verses 9 to 13, and see what it says. A clean man is to gather up the ashes of the heifer, put them in a clean place outside the camp. They are to be for the community of B'nai Israel to use as water of purification from sin. So here we see a connection between purification from contacting death and 
sanctification from sin as well, right? Death and sin go together, as well as life and holiness. The one who gathers the heifer's ashes is also to wash his clothes, as well as be unclean until evening. It will be a permanent statute for B'nai Yisrael and for the outsider living among them. Whoever touches any dead body will be unclean for seven days. He is to purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third and seventh days, he will not be clean. Anyone touching the dead body of any man who does not purify himself defiles Adonai's tabernacle. That's the holy realm, right? And that person will be cut off from Israel. Because the cleansing water was not sprinkled on him, he is unclean, and his uncleanness will remain on him. What is that cleansing water that is needed to prepare the priests, right? To go from death to life and rescuing, to prepare for the Passover. It's the water sprinkled with the ashes of the red cow. This is a strange ritual, right? But if we understand the thinking about realms and holiness, it starts to make a little bit more sense. We understand that normally sin and death are related and they go together. We understand that Passover is a holy time, right? And the priests uh, needed to be purified from contact with death in order to be able to celebrate the Passover because there's a lot of sacrifices that take place. But Hashem does this in an unusual way here. What makes this sacrifice unusual is that it's the dead, the, the dead cow's ashes actually brings life. Why is that? Because God is bringing his holiness and cleanness from outside the camp toward the inside. This is a messianic divine reversal kingdom. So, too, the death of Messiah also brings us life. The book of Hebrews expresses that Yeshua, like the red heifer, he also died outside the camp. Have you ever heard this expression referred to Yeshua before and you wondered about it? Raise your hand if you've, if you've read that and you're like, what, what does that mean? Yeshua died outside the camp. Well, here's the fuller context. This is from Hebrews 13. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holies by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, as an offering for sin, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, to make the people holy through his own blood, Yeshua also suffered outside the gate. So let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the one that is to come. Through Yeshua, then, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips giving thanks to his name. Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What's going on here? In other words, we are to identify with the red cow and with the Messiah. They suffer outside the camp in the unholy realm, and Scripture says that we die with him, in a sense, in the realm of unholiness, the realm of the world, outside the camp. He died in the unholy realm to do what? To bring holiness and cleanness and the presence of God into his people, literally into his people. And when we act in righteousness and love and giving, we are emulating the Messiah. We're being like him and the messianic direction of holiness into the unclean world. 
Yom Kippur is what? It's the Day of Atonement. What is that about? It's about purging or cleansing or resetting the realm of holiness itself. We often think about Yom Kippur in terms of the forgiveness of the sins of Israel. But the original stated purpose of the Day of Atonement is about the realm of the holiest place. Aaron and his descendants did not just atone or purge himself and his household, but he purged the very space itself, the realm that is holy. In other words, the holy space has a boop, reset button. Exodus 16, 16 puts it this way. So he, Aaron, is to make atonement for the holy place. Have you ever thought about that? Making atonement for the place, not just for the people, but the space. Because the uncleanness of B'nai Israel, and because of their transgressions, all their sins, he is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their impurities. In other words, the sins of Israel made the holy space, the realm, unclean. But Yom Kippur purged the realm so that it could be holy, so that the bright, unique presence of God would abide within Israel, radiating like the sun in the realm of the tabernacle and in the realm of the whole land of Israel. Israel, the people, and Israel, the land, were designed to bring the holiness and cleanness and presence of God, not just to themselves, right, but to radiate outward to the nations. Back then, the nations were the unholy realm. Why is that? It was filled with immorality and things like child sacrifice and the worship of other gods. There's something that Hashem gave to Israel to be a temple in time, a holy time that was to be filled with his presence. What am I talking about? Shabbat, that's right. Every seven days, we boop, we do a reset button, right? We enter the holy realm, not of space, but of what? Of time. And if there are any high-level scientists in here, I think you will confirm that space and time are related, right? So, so that makes sense. This is from this week's Parsha, from the, the normal Parsha in Exodus 31. <clears throat> then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak now to Bnei Yisrael, saying, Surely you must keep my Shabbatot, my Shabbats, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, so that you may know that I am Adonai who sanctifies you, who makes you holy. Therefore, you are to keep the Shabbat because it is holy. It's a tabernacle in time. Everyone who profanes it will die. For whoever does any work during Shabbat, that soul will be cut off from the midst of his people. Right? Being cut off, right, from your people, that is you're in the unholy realm. Right? Work is to be done for six days, but in the seventh day is a Shabbat of complete rest, holy to Adonai. Whoever does any work on the Shabbat will surely be put to death. So B'nai Israel is to keep the Shabbat, to observe the Shabbat throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and B'nai Israel forever. For in six days Adonai made heaven and earth. On the seventh day he ceased from work and rested. This is a serious deal, right? 
God is serious about this, about preserving the holiness of that space for his purpose. The Shabbat is a sanctuary, a holy realm in time for Israel, just as Israel is to be a holy people for the nations. Think about this. When did Yeshua especially like to heal folks, right? He could have done it Monday, Tuesday. He could have done it any day, right? When did he usually like to heal them? On Shabbat. Why is that? This is the realm of the kingdom of God in time, right? As followers of Yeshua, we can enact holiness in time and space. When we forgive our brother or sister, when we speak a word of encouragement and healing, we bring down the holy realm onto the earth. When we enact justice and restoration, when we bless the poor and marginalized, we bring the holy realm onto the earth. When we rest on Shabbat, when we allow ourselves and our homes to boop, to reset and to be cleansed, we bring the holy realm onto the earth. When we acknowledge that we have fallen short in some way and we humble ourselves before the king and we repent, when we pursue holiness of character, we bring the holy realm onto the earth. Elenu, it is upon us, it is our mantle to cultivate the realm of holiness onto the earth. And as we cultivate Shabbat and atonement, Kippur, rest and reset, heaven and earth are doing what? Colliding. They're coming together. I'd like to close with this week's special Haftarah portion, which the rabbis chose to go along with the red heifer Shabbat. It comes from Ezekiel 36, and I think it sums up everything that we've talked about. The, the holy realm of the kingdom of God coming onto the earth in an amazing way. So let's read it together. Together, the word of Adonai came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their way and by their deeds. Their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman in her nidah. So I poured out my fury on them for the blood which they had shed upon the land because they had defiled it with their idols. I scattered them among the nations so they were dispersed among the countries. According to their way and their deeds, I judged them. Wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, since it was said about them, These are the people of Adonai, yet they had to leave his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, says Adonai Elohim, I do not do this for your sake, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations wherever you went. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am Adonai. It is the de declaration of Adonai when I am sanctified in you before their eyes. Isn't that interesting? It's so good. God's word is so good. I will take you from the nations. I will gather you out of all the countries and bring you back to your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you 
a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the stony heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart. I will put my ruach in you, within you. Then I will cause you to walk in my laws, my Torah, so you will keep my rulings and do them. Then you will live in the land that I gave to your fathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Continuing. You with me? Isn't this great? So I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. I will not bring a famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field so that you will no longer bear the disgrace of famine among the nations. When you remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, you will be disgusted with yourselves because of your iniquities and your abominations. That's repentance, right? Not for your sake will I do this. It is the declaration of Adonai. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, house of Israel. Last part. Thus says Adonai Elohim, In that day I will pronounce you clean from all your iniquities. I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the ruins will be rebuilt. The land that was desolate will be tilled instead of being a wasteland in the sight of all that pass by. They will say, this land that was a wasteland has become, let's say this together, like the Garden of Eden. Amen. That's heaven and earth colliding. Continuing, the waste, desolate, and ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you will know that I, Adonai, have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted what was desolate. I, Adonai, have spoken it. So I will do it. Amen. God is so good. Well, let's pray. Avinu, thank you that you are...